Hello, and welcome to Occupied Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by the Foundation for Middle East Peace. I'm Lara Friedman. I'm the president of the Foundation for Middle East Peace. Today is December 15th, 2022, and it is my pleasure to have with me today investigative journalist David Armiak. David is research director with the Center for Media and Democracy, which he joined in 2015. In this capacity, he has conducted extensive investigations on dark money, corporate corruption, and right-wing networks, and he is responsible for filing and analyzing hundreds of public records requests every year. He has a strong research interest in social movements and political power and has delivered many talks on that subject. David has a bachelor's degree in philosophy, philosophy and anthropology from Boston University and a master's degree in anthropology from the University of Wisconsin at Madison. And you can follow David on Twitter at, and it's at sign D-U-B-O-O. And you can follow his work at CMD's website, which is exposed by CMD, all one word, dot org. So David, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And you're joining us from Wisconsin, right? Yep. Uh, um, it's a very snowy day here. We, it's a, the, the city has shut down after a snowstorm came through last night. Well, I mean, I'm in D.C. where we shut down when there is like the tiniest drop of ice or snow. So <laughs> I'm sure you all laugh at us. Well, yeah. I think this is the first podcast I've done with someone sitting in Wisconsin. So that alone is pretty cool. Um, but I'm very excited. I've been wanting to have you on the podcast pretty much ever since I discovered you and your work. Um, just to offer some quick context for people who are joining us on why we're doing a podcast today with someone who's an expert expert on dark money and all that stuff. So I want to just talk for a second about um, the nexus between Palestine work and, and, and ESG, socially responsible investing. So um, there is a growing movement in the United States that seeks to delegitimize and penalize investors who consider environmental, social, and governance, just ESG, uh, issues when allocating their clients' money. Um, for Republican politicians leading this effort, this has basically become an all-purpose rallying cry in the partisan culture wars about woke capitalism. And in effect, we are now hearing the phrase, which is that ESG is the new CRT, um, with potentially far-reaching and damaging implications for people who do work focused remotely on anything related to ES or G. So, why we're here today, Israel has become a key issue and a powerful weapon or vector in the campaign against ESG. And we have officials and elected elected officials and politicians from both parties who are attacking investors, investment analysts, data providers for carrying out ESG assessments that dare to subject Israel to the same legal and normative standards as other countries, including on international law, human rights, because when you subject Israel to the same standards as everybody else, Israel doesn't necessarily score all that well. And the argument then effectively is made that the standards are the problem and the standards must be intrinsically anti-Israel and anti-Semitic, and therefore the standards have to be changed or special exceptions have to be carved out for Israel. So that's what we're dealing with. And for folks who wanna learn more about that specific piece of it, I wanna recommend the two recent podcasts I've done on that topic, one featuring world-renowned uh, documentary filmmaker, Julia Basha, um, and that one was entitled, I apologize for the terrible title, um, Free Speech and Palestinian Rights, Weapons and Targets in the Battle Against ESG. 
And the other one, which I did uh, 10 days ago, I think, with Tara Van Ho, who was the international legal expert in business and human rights. That was what that one was entitled Promoting Risk and Undermining Rights, Morningstar's Betrayal of Palestine and ESG. And I'll throw links to both of those into the notes accompanying this podcast. So what we're talking about today is another key aspect of this battle. Um, and it's both the battle against Israel and activism on Israel and the battle against ESG, which are linked. Um, and that is the role of the American Legislative Exchange Council, AKA ALEC. I always forget what ALEC stands for because no one ever uses the whole name, um, but it's the role of ALEC in drafting, promulgating and promoting legislation in US states, targeting values-based protest and grassroots activism. And David arguably knows more about this than anyone in the world outside of ALEC and maybe even knows more about this than some people inside ALEC um, about these legislative efforts. and. And again, these are efforts that in the first instance, and we're going to talk about ALEC, targeted Palestine-related protests and free speech, but today have evolved into ALEC-backed um, legislation targeting the, the protests and free speech writ large, um, focused on any industry or group that, that might uh, want to, that the state might want to protect for its own reasons um, and the fight against woke capitalism. So let's just dive right in. And I'm, I'm really excited because this is something which is quite opaque, I think, to almost all of us. Um, and I'm really interested in, in, in hearing from you, David. So let you talk. First question, can you give all of us some background on ALEC? Um, what is it? Where'd it come from? Um, who is it? And, and what are its objectives? And, and maybe this is a lot of questions, but wrapping it up, where does its funding come from? Because it's clearly a well-funded organization. Sure. Um, again, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's re really wonderful to be here. Um, this is a very important issue, and it's going to become even more of an important issue, um, you know, next year and um, in 2024. Um, ALEC is a pay-to-play organization um, that brings together corporate lobbyists and state lawmakers a couple times a year um, at fancy resorts, usually four or five-star um, resorts, um, where they can bring their families and whatnot um, to. Um, meet behind closed doors um, without um, the public's involvement um, to uh, draft, um, uh, discuss, debate, uh, model policies, um, and then in separate uh, what they call task forces, um, they uh, together uh, vote as equals. So the corporate lobbyists and the state lawmakers have equal votes um, on the model legislation. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the BDS bill, you know, went through this process, the, the ESG bills that you had mentioned went through this process. Um, and then once those become, you know, so-called models, um, then the, the lawmakers take those bills that, you know, are absent of, uh, a, a state name or a sponsor name, take them back to their state houses and, and introduce them for passage, right? Um, you know, so why, why is this problematic? Um, you know, the constituents of these uh, elected officials are not part of this process. And increasingly we've seen state legislatures uh, meeting, you know, for less time or, or, or their staff are defunded or their offices are defunded. Um, and so Alec has moved in to provide supporting services um, research, um, along with its uh, sister organization, the State Policy Network, which um, is an, a right-wing network of uh, uh, think tanks in every state um, that show up to provide, you know, so-called academic legitimacy for these bills when they show up in uh, state houses. 
Um, and, and so Alex sort of helps, you know, sort of uh, these lawmakers, um, the vast majority of which are Republicans, um, to move model legislation um, that it feels uh, is important. Right. Um, and oftentimes this is legislation that corporations want. However, in the last five or six years, um, mainly since, you know, the arrival of uh, the MAGA movement and um, Mr. Trump, uh, we've seen a, a sort of right wing shift away from, you know, listening, um, you know, primarily to corporate interests, to listening to the Christian right um, and also um, you know, um, those that, you know, are, you know, are, are part of, uh, Mr. Trump's, uh, you know, movement. So I guess I just want to just really make this very clear for people who are listening. I mean, there's, I think sometimes people think it's sort of, um, a conspiracy theory to suggest that lobbyists are actually drafting legislation with the case of Alec, this is their declared purpose and and they they actually publish on their website and circulate model legislation which is completely written and it's just fill in the blank right fill in the name of your state you know check the boxes for the things that you want to do um and and what you're saying essentially is that historically this is focused on i mean the traditional sort of corporate um I don't know if you want to talk more about what will be traditionally sort of right-wing corporate interests, but we've seen an evolution to what are sort of more of the, the red meat, um, the red meat values from the, from the Christian right. Is that accurate? Correct. Correct. So, you know, a, a lot of climate, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, pushback, you know, from the fossil fuel industry um, bills, you know, pushing back against um, state regulations, um, you know, federal regulations too, for that matter. Um, came through Alec. Um, you know, Coke Industries has been a, a major, and the Coke Political Network have been major sponsors of Alec over the years, and have pushed through a lot of of this stuff. Um, you know, we have uh, you know an ultimate goal of the right wing to privatize our public education system. Um, so a lot of uh, you know charter school chains and and um, you know private education companies um, and and organizations in the Betsy DeVos network, um, who was formerly our Secretary of Education under Trump, right, um, a billionaire um, from Michigan. Um, you know her goal has been you know to privatize education, you know, so that you know ed money can move um, to religious schools. You know, so right. taxpayer money can go to religious schools as, um, and not only for public education. Um, you know, lowering taxes, right? Um, keeping healthcare privatized, right? Um, protecting the interests of the pharmaceutical industry. Um, all of these are examples of, uh, you know, um, sort of the the main foci of uh, Alec over the years. Um, but lately, we've seen you know, um, things that, that are different, right? Um, so like, you know, there's, there's been, um, the Susan B. Anthony pro-life America, which is one of the major anti-abortion groups in the country, um, uh, appearing at ALEC and doing, um, uh, at their meeting and uh, doing a kind of, uh, celebration dinner after the Dobbs decision. Um, the Family Research Council, a Christian right group, has circulated um, anti-gay um, and anti-trans bills and done, um, you know, uh, <coughs> workshops at ALEC meetings. 
Um, we know Alec has um, outsourced its work on voter suppression to the Dark Money Group Honest Elections Project, which is a group um, within the sphere of uh, Leonard Leo, or, or you know, who's better known as Trump's ju Judge Whisperer, that helped uh, move our federal court system, um, you know, severely to the right. Um, yeah, so, I guess I guess I could go on and on, but there's a yeah. lot. Of, yeah, it, a lot of, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that it's 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 really kind of. Uh, shifted and manifested. And, and part of the reason is, is that, you know, once Alec um, became well known, and, and, and I, I like to think a lot of this has to do with the work that we've done, um, because, you know, over 10 years ago, we received a massive whistleblower dump of model bills from Alec, or from a whistleblower, you know, that originated from Alec. And we that's where our Alec Exposed project came from. Um, you know, we still maintain Alec Exposed. I encourage people to go there, alecexposed.org. If you're wondering if a bill you see in your state house, you know, where it came from. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, where was I going with this? <laughs> Um, yeah, so Alec, Alec Exposed. Um, and, you know, th these bills, uh, ah, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. No, I, I think it's the idea that they become much more open about what they're doing as well. There's much more of a, I mean, I, I would say 10 years ago, none of us had heard of Alec. Today, Alec is very publicly the source and the clearinghouse for right for legislation that reflects the objectives of the political and religious right in this country, which then raises the question, how in the world did Israel and Israel activism get involved in this? So it, just just moving to that and, and you know, the, the main issue today that we're talking about is legislation, legislation that is designed and marketed as anti-ESG, anti-woke capitalism. But as we've talked about in these previous podcasts, the precursor, the model for this anti-ESG, anti-woke capitalism is this legislation that's now been adopted in about half of U.S. states, more than half of U.S. states, that's targeting boycotts of Israel and settlements. And, and, you know, we know that this is modeled on the anti-BDS legislation because the people backing the anti-ESG legislation say it's modeled on anti-ESG legislation. But once again, you and your research and looking at, you know, release documents, you can draw a direct line between that and Alex's position on anti-BDS legislation. So I want to first ask you to talk about why you think or what you know about Alex's decision to become involved in what effectively is foreign policy which is not you know, traditionally part of the corporate set of interests that would be involved here. And specifically, when did they get, when and how and why are they in the business of legislating on Israel? You know, th th this was quite a mystery to me until like I um, watched the movie Boycott. Um, and so, you know, perhaps, you know, the director or filmmakers would be better, better to answer this question. But, you know, my understanding is that that Alec really became interested in this through, you know, the Israeli lobby and um, the uh, connection with, um, you know, uh, Christian white Christian nationalism um, in the U.S. And, and that the, these for joint forces together um, helped to kind of push the, the BDS um, model bill. Um, into Alec and and out to, out through Alec. Although I will say that you you will not find that bill um, on the Alec site, um, and they have distanced themselves and removed um, you know much much of any reference to it um, from their sites. Um, but definitely you know it, it was there. Um, we have a letter from um, then Chairman um, Leah Vukmir, who you know was um, from Wisconsin. Um, at the time, pushing this bill uh, right around the time when we saw the bill introduced here in Wisconsin and moved through uh, the state house. 
but it, it definitely is, you know, a good question. Um, again, I'll go back to the fact that Alec is a pay to play organization. So they, they're up for the highest bidders. Um, so it's, it's definitely, um, <clears throat> plausible that <laughs> Alec received some sort of money, you know, from the Israeli lobby, um, in order to pass this bill. Now, what, how exactly? Um, I do not know. Um, I've been trying to work on that. Um, why? Because we're seeing other countries exerting their influence through Alec now. Um, Taiwan um, suddenly has become a country that Alec has uh, championed over the last couple of meetings. Um, Moldova, another country, um, they 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 recently um, introduced a resolution on. Um, and, and this is a group that's supposed to be focused on state issues and federalism, state rights. Um, so it's really um, uh, quite interesting and 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 hard to understand when you look at their you know stated principles. Um, but if you know that Alec is a pay-to-play organization, then you can you know jump to the to to the conclusion that they must be receiving money from these foreign countries somehow. Right. I would also add for if you people look on the Alec website, you can find a press release from December 2018 entitled Alec Legislators Sign Letter to Reiterate Commitment to Free Market Against Discriminatory Policies, um, which states outright, Alec legislators have been a key part of the federal government's efforts to halt BDS groups from using commercial discrimination and intimidation to coerce companies into ignoring the benefits of free market relations with Israel. And it goes on to quote what was then the incoming ALEC chairman, Alan Clemens, who is a former state lawmaker from, I believe, South Carolina, who was one of the, South Carolina was the first state to adopt anti-BDS legislation. And <laughs> Clemens um, is on the record as being one of the, the, the key promoters. He's actually been feted by the, by the Israelis for his work around anti-BDS legislation. So it's not, it's not simply we think there's a tie. There's there's actual documents making clear there is a tie. So yeah, and actually he's he he, he we connected him um in a story for the Guardian um with uh Joseph Sabag. I I'm apologize if I'm butchering his name. Sabag, Joseph Sabag. Yeah, yeah. So he, you know, he's featured in that um boycott film as as the one sort of behind the scenes moving this uh BDS bill, right? Um, we we got communications from from Florida between um, him and Randy Fine about redefining um, anti our anti Semitism on campuses and trying to um, you know prevent um, Palestinian groups and whatnot from operating on campuses there. Yeah, and I'll put a link to that communication, which I've actually cited in my own writing. Um, it's you know the it, it's really important, I think, as we're talking about this, to make clear this isn't just about attributing intent or guessing at the the, the linkages. There, the, the the people in a lot of the people involved are openly um, bragging about what they're doing. They're very proud of it. Um, so it's important to, to yeah. make those connections where they are. It's funny too, because when the the guardians at Pilkington reached out to them to ask them about it, you know, and say, well, you know, why why is Alec engaged in this? They got he got the typical response that said, "Oh, it's, it wasn't Alec. This was just some friends meeting." Well, Alec often says this. Um, you know, they they have the huge hotel, they rent out the whole hotel, and then they provide meeting rooms for all these groups to meet with the lawmakers, including lobbyists, but also a lot of right wing groups. Um, including Israeli groups. Um, <clears throat> so it's not unusual. Um, it's a talking point um, that we've seen over and over again. Um, but when they feel um, comfortable, they'll come out. And again, I'll refer back to um, the Susan B. Anthony pro-life America example. Um, in the past, those were emails that they had uh, the so-called pro-life breakfasts 
um, at every annual meeting that they invited lawmakers to. Um, that was not publicized. It was not on the agenda, but we saw the communications through open records requests time and time again. Um, it was not until after Dobbs that they came out and, and were, were celebratory and it was on the agenda. Right. Uh, you know, so I, I will, I will, yeah, like you, I would refer, you know, folks to look at the records, look what's there. Look at the believe, believe them in their own words that they're telling you what they're doing. I will add just as an aside, one of the things that when I started really digging into Alex's role on anti-BDS legislation, one thing that was striking to me is that the anti-BDS legislation actually conflicts with Alex's other arguments, which are basically that no non-financial, non-fiduciary consideration should be taken into account in any policies regarding investment or contracts. And effectively with the NCBDS legislation, they're saying that in the name of you know, free market, we are actually demanding that you take into account a non-financial, non-fiduciary element, which is how this company treats Israel and settlements. It's absolutely hypocritical, um, which actually is, turns out to be a little bit funny as we get into the metastasizing legislation, which would seem to actually punish them if they implement their own anti-BDS legislation. But that's way down in the weeds. I wanna come back a little bit higher up. So. Okay. Um, back in 2018, I wrote an article where I warned, I put on my Cassandra hat, I warned that this anti-BDS legislation, which we really should be calling anti-boycott legislation because it's about boycotts of settlements or Israel. It's not about, you know, the BDS movement. It's not just about boycotting Israel. It's about boycotting Israel or settlements. Um, and by boycotting, we mean even making a distinction between Israel and settlements. I warned that, that this would become a template almost inevitably for legislation targeting literally anything else that people wanted to protest if the state wanted to block it. And for people who don't follow this closely, I think just to lay out the logic of these laws holds in effect that fine, you can have your free speech as an American fine and dandy, but if you are earning taxpayer money via contracts, via employment, via, via procurements, or if you are getting taxpayer money invested in you, then the taxpayer shouldn't be supporting things that the government doesn't like because the government is acting as a steward of taxpayer will and that would be violating the will of taxpayers. So basically your free speech doesn't extend to the right to actually be employed or procure from or, 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 or be invested in with taxpayer money, which really does sound to most of us like an unconstitutional condition under you know giving up free speech in order to do business governments, but that's you know within the courts to decide. But regardless, that was like a clear template, right, for anything that, that the state might want to protect. And, and that, that prediction started to come true last year in 2021. We started to see, as you've talked about, Alex focused on climate change. We started to see legislation targeting climate change, fossil fuel industry, so protecting them from pressure and protecting the guns and ammunition industry from pressure. And then in 2022, we saw an explosion of these bills and we saw a couple of what I would call like tentative test bills that broadened it to basically the entire list of industries. Um, I've, I'll put a link in, in, in the notes to my table tracking all this. So that was me. Um, back in February 22, you actually published an article drawing a direct line between ALEC and these, these laws that I was tracking. Um, particularly the ones focused on the fossil fuel industry. You wrote an article entitled Alex Critical Energy Theory Bills Moving in Four States. So can you talk about that, that, that the place where the anti-BDS legislation as a model came together, what you're seeing, that coming together as a template what was for what was initially going after the critical energy theory, which is protecting the fossil fuel industry? Yeah, so... <clears throat> Um, back in the summer of uh, 2021, 
Um, ALEC at its annual meeting um, introduced the Energy Discrimination Elimination Act, um, <clears throat> which was, you know, um, uh, basically a bill, you know, as, as you said, you know, modeled on BDS um, to protect um, fossil fuel interests. Um, that bill, you know, for some reason did not pass at that meeting, um, but we became aware of it. Um, and um, at the December um, 2021 meeting, which they call the States and Nation Policy Summit, um, it was introduced again. And uh, Jason Isaac, who um, runs uh, Life Powered um, out of the Texas Public Policy Foundation, which is a right-wing think tank, a member of the State Policy Network, which I mentioned before, um, very well-funded, um, receives a lot of Coke money, um, Coke meaning, you know, Coke industries, um, and, um, other fossil fuel interest money. And it, the morning of that meeting, uh, an email was sent out to all the members of the energy environment and agricultural task force. that was considering the bill said, you know, that this bill is based on BDS. So it's a bill that Alec had passed. Um, and you should pass it to, because, you know, this is going to hurt, you know, American, uh, energy, um, and it's going to hurt our economy. Um, it passed unanimously. Um, so we, you know, you know, did a story on it. We um, worked with Kate Aronoff at the new Republic, which she came up with the critical energy theory, a great, a great, uh, coin term for this, um, and we began to track, right? Um, we were able to obtain through open records requests uh, uh, a list of all those who attended the meeting, that Energy, Environment, and Agricultural Task Force meeting. Um, and, and so then we looked at the, where the bills um, had passed and where they were introduced, and we were able to draw you know, um, uh, um, you know, between sponsors or core sponsors, um, you know, for these different bills in these states with um, you know, that list at Alex. So it was very clear um, that, you know, the ALEC, um, you know, legislative um, uh, members were falling, you know, rank and file uh, to get these bills moving. Right. And I'll also put a link to that email, which, again, is someone from within the ALEC family drawing the direct line between the critical energy theory bills and the uh, anti-BDS bills. Yeah, and you um, actually did it again at this last meeting um, in December. Um, where they did, where they introduced um, a, a wider version of the bill, which actually, you know, said, you know, to protect not only fossil fuels, but agriculture, um, logging, um, and then like in parentheses, anything else your state feels is important. Right. Um, well, that, that's what I want to ask you about. So I want, I want to fast forward okay. to earlier this month. I've got to say it's, it's, it's fascinating listening to you because I feel like, like I am, a, a practitioner who is looking at what's happening from the outside and try, I, I can I can explain what's happening and try to diagnose exactly how it's happening, but you've got the actual x-rays, right? You've got the x-rays and the blood tests. It's fascinating. So fast forwarding from 2021 to last month, early last month, you broke the news that Alex, I guess basically November, you broke the news that they were doubling down in the attack on ESG and world capitalism. You found the draft text of a, a bill of a, a model text on their website, which none of us had seen at that point, which was really exciting because it validated what, what people like you and I knew was coming based on what we were seeing introduced at the state legislatures. It actually looks very much like legislation that was adopted, that was introduced in 2022 in Idaho and I want to say Minnesota with this broad, you know, timber, lumber, commercial agriculture, guns and ammunition, you know, it's, it's, you're waiting for someone to protect the peewee golf stuff. Um, it is, so you wrote an article entitled Alec I Sweeping Government Blacklists. 
And it's important to note blacklist because that's what this is about. And you followed up with a piece last week following your own coverage of the meeting in Washington of Alec, um, you could, I'd love to hear you talk about, which was entitled Alec doubles down on punishing ESG firms. So can you tell us what Alec is up to with all this? Um, and you, they had the meeting, they adopted this model legislation. What What is the game plan as you understand it from documents you, you've been able to unearth and from what you saw uh, with the meeting in Washington at the beginning of December. And, and again, how does this relate to its position on legislation targeting uh, boycotts of Israel and settlements? Okay, there was, a, there was a lot in those questions. So if I don't address everything, then please follow up. Um, so yeah, we, we, you know, we, we, you know, Alec, um, you know, posed all of its drafts, um, you know, way before the meeting for, for lawmakers to consider. We were able to catch um, this bill on there. Um, that, you know, is, is a wider form of the original Energy Discrimination Elimination Act. Um, it, you know, like I'd said, you know, in parentheses, it said any industry, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned gun manufacturers, you know, showing up in, in Idaho, and I forget what other state you said. Um, but, you know, Alec, ever since, you know, it was tied to the murder of Trayvon Martin, um, you know, with its Castle Doctrine model bill, has done everything in its power to distance themselves from guns because it lost so much corporate support. Um, you know, between our Alec exposed investigation, now they've lost almost uh, 120 corporations um, who've publicly dropped out. Um, so they've really, at any time that guns might come into a conversation or 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 whatnot, they've tried to just eliminate it, like silence it. Um, so I, I had thought when I saw that originally. Um, this must be that opening for guns, you know, um, so that they don't have to say it, right? Um, anyways, uh, so back to the bill. So yeah, so we we saw that this bill came. What was interesting, you know, not only, um, you know, uh, you know, it was very broad in strokes and 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 get, and allowed for blacklists. Um, it empowered AGs to to investigate, right? Um, and looking at all kinds of uh, you know thing, you know, things that corporations produce. Um, you're really questioning, you know, how supportive, um, you know, citizenry of these states where these bills might be introduced would want to be um, in this process, um, given the resources that will be needed to, to look at these firms, um, you know, um, but, it, and then when you see the bill, you know, appear, um, and as it's debated at the meeting, um, we found no evidence at all that any corporations were pushing this. Um, again, um, we, uh, Jason Isaac, he sends an email, almost the same. In fact, he forgot to change um, one of the headings in the email. It still said Energy Discrimination Elimination Act. I had to look at it twice, but three times. I'm like, wait a second. Is this a, no, yeah, he's talking about the new bill. <laughs> um, if, if I could just in interject, I just, it's fascinating. I had, no, I had noticed at the time with the Minnesota and Idaho bills, when they listed all the industries, at the time I noticed they left off the guns and ammunition industry. I'd forgotten that. And now looking at them again and the model bill that is being that is adopted by by Alec, you're right. It leaves off it all of the most of the legislation we saw in 2022 and 21 was fossil fuel industry and guns and ammunition. This effort leaves off guns and ammunition. That is a, a fascinating insight um, that I had missed. And I want to put it there for the record that that Alec's legislation doesn't include that. So. Right. Um <clears throat> Yeah, so so the bill, you know, is considered in uh, two 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 task forces. 
Um, Energy, Environment, and Agriculture Task Force, again, it, it kind of moves through that task force smoothly. Um, and then in the Commerce Task Force, apparently um, the private sector members, um, th there were some issues. Um, I, I don't have specifics on this, um, but they had to do a different kind of a roll call vote. Um, and, and it did pass, but I, I, you know, I, am still, we're still investigating, trying to see if we can, um, uncover more information to that. So, so we do know that this broader bill has passed. And so we can now, um, expect to see this, you know, roll out, um, in many States next year. Um, ESG was, was, um, center stage at this December meeting. The first opening breakfast, um, featured, um, consumers research, Will Hild. Um, which is a dark money group uh, that um, is connected to the Leonard Leo network um, and has been at the forefront of this. Um, maybe you've seen some of their attacks against BlackRock. Um, they, 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 you know, um, have all kinds of uh, ad campaigns online. Um, and uh, sometimes in cities, they'll do like billboards or digital billboards on trucks and things, you know, targeting BlackRock CEO, Larry Fink. Um, but anyway, so he he was there um, with the financial officer from Florida and the state treasurer, and they had a conversation about ESGs and why, you know, and, and trying to drum, you know, drumbeat um, why this is an issue and why, you know, states seem to care or need to care, right? Basically, manufacturing a crisis that's not there. Um, immediately following this, there was a workshop on ESG. Um, that workshop was incredibly well attended. There were no seats. Um, a lot of people were standing in there. Um, it, uh, again, featured um, consumers research, Will Hild, um, Heritage Actions, uh, Jessica Anderson, um, uh, and uh, oh, Andy Puzder, um, the the former uh, Carl's Jr. or uh, you know fast food tycoon, um, who now is a um, senior fellow at Heritage, working on this issue. Um, we know, you know, through our research and and through um, open records requests that um, Puzder has been involved. Oh, and through and through some other uh, intelligence that Puzder is involved in writing all of these bills um, that we've seen. Oh, I, and we did we did we didn't mention. Sorry, if I can back up for a second. So in the spring, in um in uh, what was it March or April? Alec held um, a task force meeting out of schedule for their, for its tax task force to pass a bill relating a model of legislation um, relating to pensions to try to prevent, um, you know, ESG advancing in um, public pensions. Um, this was a bill. It also matches the anti-BDS efforts, which is right. to yeah. essentially divest from and prevent investment in funds that, you know, do not abide by the rules that have been laid down. Um, not the yeah. one time it's not a profit motive. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just I just wanted to make sure that we address that. Um yeah. and so so yeah, at this uh workshop, um, you know, Puzder, you know, um, you know, called called uh ESG, you know, um uh, wolf or you know, or what do you call it? Yeah, socialism and a wolf in sheep's clothing, uh, something to that effect, um, saying, you know, this is the fight ESG is the fight of this generation, um, like communism before. Like um, fighting the Nazis before that. I mean, really, just you know, dramatic um, speech. Um, you know, had people you know laughing and and clapping. Um, Will Hild, um, you know, was less dramatic, but offered you know, um, <clears throat> you know, um, strategies on how to fight. You know, um, encouraging people to work. You know, with uh, state AGs um, and uh, state treasurers. 
Um, of course, the ALEC Aligned and ALEC Modeled Group, the State Financial Officers Foundation, has been an extremely important organization in this fight. They've been leading a lot of um, efforts and, and where we've seen the states pass these bills, they've they've been instrumental in getting them passed, right? Um, there, you know, probably folks have seen reporting um, of uh, treasurers, um, you know, taking money out of BlackRock um, specifically. Um, you know, this has been in the news quite a bit lately. Um, you know, so Hild was offering, you know, that advice. He also offered, um, um, you know, advice um, to the lawmakers to look at their committees and what types of powers they have to subpoena um, or investigate these firms on their own. Um, today, as we speak in Texas, um, ALEC member um, and Texas State Senator Brian Hughes is leading um, an inquiry um, uh, or public hearing, sorry, um, into this uh, ESG investing and has uh, subpoenaed a number of organizations, um, including BlackRock. Um, and uh, yeah, he uh, excused uh, Vanguard, um, which um, recently dropped out of net zero. So, you know, it, it kind of showing you, you know, what their, what their goals are here. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so Hild offered these, um, you know, um, sort of tutorials. And then Jessica Anderson offered the, the help of uh, Heritage Foundation. Um, you know, she said, you know, we've got lobby 10 lobbyists across the country that can help you. We can help with, you know, dealing with the opposition. We can help you to get these bills passed. Um, we expect already to see these in 20 states or up to 20 states, sorry. Um, and, you know, um, passing out, passed out a flyer. Um, they have a project site called ESG Hertz. Um, and so she was really promoting that as well. Um, two models on there, very similar to, to the ALEC model bills. Um, and so, yeah, it was, again, it was very well attended. And so we, you know, should expect to see, you know, right, right away, um, you know, these bills popping up in the legislative session um, here in January. I know Missouri already has one pre-filed. Um, Idaho has been trying to move something. Ohio, I believe as well, has a pre-filed. Yeah, yeah so... Yeah. So, and for folks who are interested in tracking this, I, again, I have a database. I, I check this pretty obsessively and, and just post it. It's, you know, maybe you, maybe you think this is a great idea and you want to follow it closely. Maybe you think it's bad either way. The data is what the data is. And, you know, there, and I, I will put a link to that in the, in the comments. So I want to ask you in terms of where you think this is going to go. The, the anti-boycott bills, um, or the, the anti-Israel boycott bills enjoyed an, an odd and maybe, I don't know if it's unique status, right? So these are arguably things that you would not have expected progressives to get behind, right? It's a it's 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 challenging free speech in a way which is pretty amazing. Um, but progressives largely support in, in state legislatures generally either supported it or didn't oppose it because it was framed as the pro-Israel position. Um, or in some cases we saw in the boycott movie, they just didn't pay sufficient attention to realize what was going on, which is just you know bad legislating. But regardless, you didn't you didn't see the kind of objections you would have expected from people who defend the right to protest, the right to free speech because of the Israel issue being embedded in this. Um, and for folks who are following this closely, we now we've had multiple court cases challenging the NCBDS legislation. Um, those cases have been a mixed bag in terms of success. Largely, courts have found them to be likely unconstitutional. Um, but what's happened then as a result is the backers of these bills have used the court experience to shave the sharp edges off the bills and make them harder to challenge. Sorry, there's a there's a siren going by. 
Goodbye. So, so in effect, what you now have is a model bill that's based on anti-BDS legislation, which has been tempered a little bit by the, the fires of courts to be harder, harder to get at. And we're still waiting. One of the anti-BDS um, bills has been challenged to the Supreme Court at this point, and we don't know where that'll go. But more broadly, as we go forward with these anti-ESG bills in the next session, and so far the ones that have passed, the fossil fuel legislation, the guns and ammunition legislation, has largely passed in states that are you know, extremely red, have legislatures that are overwhelmingly red, governments, governors that are red. There hasn't even been, an, I mean, if there might be protest, it wouldn't have been in those states. As this becomes a more of a national campaign, um, I guess my question is, do you see it, you know, as being something that will actually um, generate any kind of backlash, this anti-woke capitalism framing. And I don't know if this is something you're comfortable speaking on, but you know, I wonder if the, the what we've talked about in the two previous podcasts, the 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 connection that that anti-ESG forces are making to Israel to say that. ESG, if it is applied to everyone, will capture Israel in its nets as well, and therefore it is anti-Israel and anti-Semitic. Therefore, all ESG and all woke capitalism, one of the problems with it is anti-Israel, anti-Semitic, and use that as a, a, a hook um, or a shield against any sort of partisan pushback. Um, I don't know if that's something you want to speculate on, but I'd be very interested in, in how you see the path forward in states. Uh, yeah, I don't. I didn't even. I haven't really thought about the last question. <laughs> it's a very interesting question. I guess I'd need to think more about that in order to to come up with an answer. Um, I think you know, Alec. Alec, you know, again, really, the members really fall um, in line on issues that are important to the organization. Um, so I think we can expect um, <clears throat> again to see these bills introduced. Um, and depending on how much of an issue it is is made in the media, and and I, I think that you know there's been talk that we may see like hearings in the House, the U.S. House, um, if this stuff starts getting like live streamed on Fox News or something like that. I mean, that could definitely like fuel the fire um, in in red states, right? And I think it's worth noting that people like I mean, the governor of Florida has made yeah. this one of his bread and butter issues. Mike Pence has made this a bread and butter issue. I believe Mike sure. Pompeo has made it a bread and butter issue. So yeah. it, it's definitely elevating, uh, it elevated to higher levels in the political scheme of things. Yeah, and, and Mike Pence, you know, is, is the highest ranking um, politician ever to come out, Alec. Um, you know, one, one time when he gave his speech there, he said, I was for Alec before it was cool. <laughs> Um, so he's he's a major champion, and he was at the meeting actually um, in, in this last meeting in um, a few weeks ago, um, and was the the featured speaker. So, um, but yeah, I, I think I think we're going to see it now. There's 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 some questions though. Um, so we 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 um, posted um, a piece recently um, based on um, a leaked membership list that um, was um, sent to us. Um, that list showed that um, Alec only had in early 2000, um, 800 plus members. Um, that is way far less than the quarter of all state lawmakers they, they claim to have. Um, so there's a, a, a solid question as to wh whether they have, you know, as many members um, as they claim to. Um, and you can throw in the fact that there was major turnover in the state houses. Um, this this at the, during this election, um, and many of that many of that or much of that turnover, sorry, was in um, red states. 
So are those red state, you know, new lawmakers going to be ALEC members? Or are they going to be, you know, people who, who are going to take up this issue or care about ESGs? Um, it's really hard to predict, you know, what new lawmakers are interested in or what they're going to do. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot of questions as to, 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 to what will happen here. Um, we also have um, in Kentucky, right, uh, a legal challenge from the Kentucky Bankers Association, I believe, um, you know, to the Kentucky bill, which passed, um, which was based on the Energy Discrimination Elimination Act. Um, so, you know, some lawmakers may look to that and say, you know, hey, we might, we might want to wait and see, you know, what happens here before we pass this bill. So, I think it's really helpful. I need to look at that Kentucky case more closely. I was aware of it, but I haven't dug into it. Um, I guess the last question I want to ask you, I said earlier, you know, my Cassandra hat, I'm often Cassandra in these conversations. I will say that what I had raised the alarm about, you know, five years ago is now coming to pass. My Cassandra abilities fail me right now when I try to imagine where, where this goes next in terms of Alex's agenda, in terms of, of, targeting the right to free speech, the right to protest, in terms of trying to use US laws and particularly in states and this idea of flexing the, the, the muscle of we are representing taxpayers to shut down speech that, that a given government doesn't like. Um, do you wanna speculate on that a little bit? You can be, be my Cassandra for, for the sake <laughs> of this conversation. I, I will tell you that I, I, I don't think that they, that it, it, with this issue, are are seeking to you know eliminate free speech rights like i don't i don't think that they see it that way um i think that you know fossil fuel the fossil fuel industry is asking them to move this bill although we haven't made the connection yet um i do think it's it's the money's there somewhere um and a lot of the organizations that are involved receive a lot of dark money right so i mentioned consumers research right um heritage action um, you know, America First Policy Institute, which is a new um, MAGA spinoff. They were there promoting it. Um, Heartland Institute is a known climate denying organization um, supported by fossil fuel industry over, over many years. Um, so uh, there's a lot of like indirect ties. Um, but I think this is more about protect trying to this is uh, this might be better described as the fossil fuel industry's like last um, war or last fight. You know, they've kind of lost the climate, you know, denialism, you know, misinformation war. And so now this is it, really. You know, can they prevent climate divestment or not? Almost win it on a technicality. If we can't win the battle, we'll win the, uh, the fight on a technicality. I guess it, it's fascinating what you just said. They don't see this as a, a battle against free speech. And I, I agree. I, I mean, when I listen, it's often ironic to me when I listen to members of Congress making speeches about the sanctity of free speech. The speeches are almost always coming from conservative Republicans who yeah. believe that the free speech of conservatives is being quashed on campus or beyond. Right. And it's quite extraordinary because those are almost always the same people who are at the forefront of sh trying to shut down free speech and protest on the things that they don't like. Um, and particularly when it's things that touch on Israel, which is my beat. Um, and, you know, when I when I made my prediction back in, in 2018, I, I actually, you know, made it for both sides of the political spectrum. You know, if, if tomorrow you saw, you know, a state that has a Democratic legislature and a Democratic governor legislating that in order to get state contracts, you have to certify that you don't 
you know, support whatever right-wing cause. You don't, you know, give money to whatever right-wing cause. People would be up in arms. I mean, and hopefully the ACLU would also be up in arms because that would just be such a brazen violation of, of people's right to protest. It, it, it's a very um, myopic view of, 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 of legislating if they, if they don't see this as actually targeting free speech because that is clearly, that is clearly the impact. Um, yeah, Alec actually, like they, they consider themselves champions of free speech. They have a center for free speech, um, but all of it is spin. Um, they produced, you know, legislation or model legislation, um, you know, for uh, like so-called campus free speech bills, um, which, you know, seek to, you know, create um, spaces for um, hate speech and, um, you know, um, right-wing provocateurs on campus and to, you know, prevent um, counter speech um, or counter protests. Um, at, at these things, um, you know, so so they they find ways to sort of spin this um, that they that they are champions, um, and this is you know obviously another example. Yeah, well, obviously this is a this is a conversation I would love to continue for much longer and go far afield of even the things we've been talking about today. Let's let's I, I think we're going to end it here. I would like to put you on notice that I'm going to ask you to come back again, um, ideally for a webinar where we can have, you know, a discussion amongst experts and I can just sit back and take notes. Um, but thank you so much, David, for giving us so much of your time and expertise today. And I want to thank you for the work you do because your research, and I mean, you're the kind of researcher who is just so transparent. You put out all of your receipts, all your receipts, right, are out there for people to find and use for themselves. Um, and it is, um, it's just invaluable. For, for the broad for anyone understanding what's actually happening. So thank you for that. Um, I want to thank our audience today. You for, do, Laura. Um, thank, you're sweet. Um, thank, for the audience, thank you for listening and for watching. And there will be lots of notes with this podcast um, for people who want to see receipts about all the things we've been talking about. Don't forget to follow David on Twitter. That's at, at D-U-B-O-O. And his analysis is at, at exposedbycmd.org. And then what is the site for the Alec watch again? It's uh, alecexposed.org. alecexposed.org. And finally, as always, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to the Occupied Thoughts podcast. You can do so on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. That way you won't miss any of the great content we're posting virtually every week. And you can find this podcast and a video of it on our website at www.fmep.org. And with that, we're going to end it here. I'm Laura Friedman, president of the Foundation for Middle East Peace, signing off until the next episode of Occupied Thoughts.